Michael Swede couldn't make it today. So uh, I'm going to talk about what else? Coronavirus. <laughs> but I'm going to go into detail about the head of the beast, the head of the monster. And I see Brother Abair puts in the chat room, Canada bans 1,500 quote-unquote assault weapons. What about hammers, pens, knives, water balloons? What about pitchforks, scythes, uh, Clubs, shovels, I think it's time for the people, we the people, because we are the government, not not the banksters. They have taken authority over us, but they are not the government. Pritzker is not the government. He's supposed to be the servant of the people. Trump is supposed to be the servant of the people. The Constitution says, we the people... It doesn't say, yeah, don't give them any ideas, sorry. <laughs> it does, yeah, you can buy those pitchforks and scythes and hammers at your local, oh no, no, sorry, they closed that, didn't they? No, actually, the, the hardware stores are still open. That's, that's ne- necessary commerce, right? You got to fix things. So, folks, this is absurd what's happening here. The entire Constitution has been usurped by the international banksters. That's the bottom line. That's the absolute bottom line. Uh, And these people give orders to big pharma, to big business, to the UN, to all of these so-called bureaucracies, the alphabet soup agencies, including the CIA, which has never served the interests of America. The CIA was created by the banksters, for the banksters, and about the banksters. Not for the people, by the people, of the people. The CIA has always been a rogue organization serving the interests of the banksters and not America. Remember, just before JFK was assassinated, he wanted to eliminate the CIA. He was so angry with the CIA because of the Bay of Pigs operation when they called uh, the... uh, upper command of the military and ordered a jet strike to support their operation and Kennedy got wind of it and said, hey wait a minute, I'm the president you're not the president CIA, I'm the president 
You don't have the authority to call in an airstrike. Who the hell do you think you are? And so he inherited the, uh, what do you call it, you know, the, the, uh, the crisis, the, uh, the crisis in Cuba, the missile crisis in Cuba, and uh, the CIA, you know, was uh, doing its own rogue operations without telling the government, without telling the president, hey, who are these guys? Well, they're beholden to the Rothschilds. That's who, the, that's who created the CIA. It's the out, outgrowth of the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services, which prosecuted the Nuremberg trials right after World War II. So the Jews of the Communist Party in Russia and the Jews in America and Britain, the capitalist Jews, put their heads together and said, well, hey, you know, now that we got this organization called the OSS, let's just rename it and call it the CIA and pretend it's serving the interests of America. You see how this game is played, folks? That's how the game is played. Follow the money. Follow the money to the head of the beast, which is the Bank of England and its subsidiary, the Federal Reserve Bank here in America, all old and operated by the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, the Mellons, the Schiffs, and all of these Jewish banksters who control and dominate the world. The UN is created by the Rothschilds. The UN is nothing but a UN operation. It's a, it's a front. It's a fake, uh, how should I put it? You know, they claim to be an operation of world peace, that they were created to establish world peace. But there hasn't been a moment's peace since the UN was created. Not one moment. We've had more wars since the UN was created than we had before. And even there, the Rothschilds created World War I, World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnamese, the war in Vietnam. Okay? All of these wars have been operations of the international banksters who claim to be motivated by peace. And we have a bureaucratic entity called Big Pharma that claims to be motivated by good health, by giving us good health. So I'm going to, and of course they're controlled by the banksters too. All of these agencies, like the Club of Rome, which was created by the Rockefellers, Allopathic Medicine, which was created by the Rockefellers, and the, the allopathic paradigm, which put out all of the natural health uh, industries out of business, including chiropractic, homeopathy, naprapathy, and others. The, the AMA, created by the Rockefellers, started demonizing natural health modalities and t- tried to put them out of business. This is monopoly, folks. Nobody stands in the way of this gigantic monopoly called the House of Rothschild, they will murder people. They will murder people. They murdered, murdered, <laughs> murdered, murdered Royal Rife, who invented a microscope that doesn't kill the subject like the electron microscope does, and it doesn't cost $125,000 a piece, so it would be more accessible to the public and to independent research, because there is no independent research They control the electron microscope because it's so expensive to use. And it kills 
whatever the subject on the slide is, it kills it because it gives it such a high dose of photon burst radiation that it kills it. So, what is a virus? Does it cause disease? Or is it the result of disease? I say it's the result of disease. It doesn't cause disease. They have no antigen for coronavirus. They can't give you an antigen. That is the, um, the, the um, virus, the so-called deadly virus that you're taught to believe is causing the pandemic. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> the pandemic. This is who has created this pandemic, this fake endemic. And of course, it's it divide and conquer. It's the uh, you know the uh, dialectic, the dialectic method. You know, if you don't, or as mayor, former mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And if you haven't got a good crisis at hand, make one. So, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. The thesis is that, well, we're all sick because of coronavirus. We are? I don't, I don't know. I don't hardly see any sick people anywhere. So Fauci is guilty of giving to the Chinese either 3.7 million or 7.4 million, with the, I guess the reports, as more people report on Fauci's uh, disease, that's what it is. It's the Fauci disease, the, the Fauci virus. The wep- biological weapons uh, program at the University of North Carolina was considered too dangerous to be funded by the government. So what did Fauci do? He transplanted it from North Carolina to Wuhan. This was, I believe, the 2015, 2000, thereabouts. Okay. And Fauci went on record predicting that uh, the next president, uh, turned out to be Trump, is going to have to deal with a massive outbreak. Hmm. I wonder how he knew. And this all ties in, of course, with 5G and radiation disease, which I've been talking about on Yahweh's Covenant People and Restoration Hour for many, many weeks. I've been talking about the connection between 5G, smartphones, smart meters, and turning our entire atmosphere into a microwave oven by which they can track our every move, and they can even tell if you're jaywalking and deduct the fine for jaywalking from your account Right from your smartphone. Oh, do you smell Big Brother? 1984? This is all connected, folks. It's all connected. But the head of the beast, the head of the beast is the big bankers. And so I'm going to go back to pre-Civil War times and talk about the head of the beast. First of all, let me quote Abraham Lincoln 
and what he said during the height of the Civil War. And he said, I see in the near future a crisis approaching that unnerves me and causes me to tremble for the safety of my country. This is while the troops are on the field during the Civil War. But he saw something else that totally unnerved him. Corporations have been enthroned and an era of corruption in high places will follow and the money power of the country will endeavor to prolong its reign by working upon the prejudices of the people. That is the divide and conquer tactic which in those days it was pro-slavery, anti-slavery and we know the Rothschilds financed both sides with August Belmont being their agent in the north and Judah P. Benjamin the court Jew of the South, financing the South. And Judah P. Benjamin promised uh, the South that he would be getting money from England to help finance the Civil War effort, but that money never materialized. It was a ruse. Jefferson Davis took the bait. That money never came. But the, the economic powerhouse, the industrial engine that was the North in those days, could outproduce the rest of the entire world, and did, even during the Civil War. Why? Because Abraham Lincoln favored debt-free money. Debt-free money. If anybody has told you that Abraham Lincoln was an agent of the banksters, they're lying to you. The banksters had no, never a greater enemy than Abraham Lincoln. Why do you think he was assassinated? He was assassinated because he, great, he created debt-free money, otherwise known as the greenback. Not a dime's worth of interest was ever earned by the banksters on the greenbacks. That's why they had the greenbacks taken out of circulation right after the Civil War and substituted banknotes, debt notes. So right after they assassinated Lincoln, they resumed their debt note policy, which Andrew Jackson had opposed. His epitaph is, I killed the bank, and they tried to assassinate him as well. But the assassin's pistols misfired at point-blank range. So if you want to talk about assassinating American presidents, look no further than the House of Rothschild. Every American president who has been assassinated has been assassinated by the Rothschilds, including McKinley, including Congressman Louis T. McFadden, because he exposed the banksters for what they were while he was head of the House Banking Committee. And then they murdered Kennedy when he issued Executive Order 1111-0, which would have made Treasury notes legal tender and would have put the Fed out of business. So the same people who assassinated Abraham Lincoln assassinated John F. Kennedy. Have you noticed there haven't been any major assassinations lately? 
because the politicians all got the memo. If you contradict the Rothschilds, you're a dead man. That's what you are. If you contradict the Rothschilds, you're a dead man. So they got all, this is a mafia, folks. It's the Bankster Mafia. The Bankster Mafia created the Medical Mafia, which created the uh, pet Petrochemical Mafia <laughs> and the Media Monopoly on Fake News. All of these are mafias, folks, every one of them. Every single reporter, every single banker, every single politician lives in fear of being assassinated by the Rothschilds and their trigger pullers, the Mossad and the CIA. Are you getting the picture? Are you getting the picture? This is how the world is run. Book of Revelation, chapter 18, talks about the mystery Babylon, the empire of merchants, which is not the Catholic Church, because the Catholic Church is merely a religious entity. It's actually the false prophet the major head of the false prophets in the world today. But it's the Rothschilds who control the money. They control the flow of money, the outpouring money, and what that money is used for. And since 1815, the Rothschilds have used that money to create wars, pandemics, divide and conquer, left versus right, Republican versus Democrat, Male versus female, liberal versus conservative. They exploit every possible fracture, and if there is no fracture, they create it. That's how they do it. But since very few people understand how money works, and nobody is going to explain it to them except yours truly, It's called Mystery Babylon in these last days. The fractional reserve banking system is Mystery Babylon. Why? Because it came from ancient Babylon, the third beast of the book of Revelation. That's where the fractional reserve banking system was created. And fiat money being used to circulate as, it's actually counterfeit money. And this fiat money, which they call quantum easing today, they always change the language. So people, they have to relearn history or forget about history. They don't know that all that quantum easing means is deliberate inflation, pumping more money into circulation from the central banks so that they can finance their scams, their worldwide scams, such as the UN, NATO, the European Union. All of these are run by banksters. And the so-called foreign aid, aid to African countries. But this aid comes with a price tag. It's called usury, the World Bank, the Bank of International Settlements, etc. These banks lend money to third world countries on the supposed basis of improving the economy of those countries, teaching them how to do agriculture, etc., and medicine, blah, blah, blah. Instead, what happens is the 
dictators, the petty dictators of these African countries and other third world countries, take bribes from these same bankers. And instead of increasing the economy of those countries, they send in Bill Gates with his vaccines to make the people sick and die. And the UN pays for it. The American people pay for it with their tax money that's sent to the United Nations and the World Health Organization. By the way, Bill Gates is the second biggest funder of the World Health Organization. He's a monopolist, by the way. The left versus right paradigm, all these leftists running around cursing capitalists. These people are not capitalists. These people are monopolists. John D. Rockefeller said very plainly, competition is a sin. These people are monopolists. They don't believe in competition. They don't believe in free enterprise. They believe in controlling markets. They control the military-industrial complex, which is really the military-industrial-petrochemical-pharmaceutical complex. I'm going to give you an image. I think I'm going to hire David Dees or somebody else to give me an image because the head of this vulture is the banking industry, the international banking industry headed by the Rothschilds. The left wing of this vulture is the Democratic Party. The right wing of the vulture is the Republican Party, neither of which represent the people. They're simply part of this vulture. The body of this vulture is the military, industrial, petrochemical, pharmaceutical industry, which is making us sick. And the anus of this vulture is mass media. They spew out the excrement of the vulture called news. I hope you're getting the picture, folks. I hope you're beginning to understand what's really going on in the world. Okay? So, let's get to it. Oops. Sorry. I lost it. I have to go back to my other browser. And we're talking about funny money. Funny money. Created by the Jewish banksters. So this article is called Follow the Money, The Search for Liberty by Kirk McKenzie. Liberty rests upon a foundation of financial prosperity. Without that prosperity, there is no liberty. And as the Bolshevik, Lenin, advocated, the surest way to eliminate liberty is to eliminate financial prosperity. Our founding fathers understood this. That is why gold and silver coin were declared the only constitutional currencies and remain today the only constitutional currencies. Direct quote from Lenin. The way to crush the bourgeoisie is to grind them between the millstones of taxation and inflation. He was a Jew. 
With federal debt in excess of $12 trillion, unfunded promises over $106 trillion. How old is this? <laughs> I think the, the government is spending $12 trillion a month these days. And 22% real unemployment, there can be no doubt our financial prosperity is threatened. This must have been written before COVID-19. Our jobs, technologies, and industries have been offshored, and no one in government has offered a plan or even an objective to bring them back. Why have they been offshored? Because the international bankers and their subsidiaries, in order to destroy America, staged the 2008 meltdown, depriving hardworking Americans of their jobs and their houses, foreclosing on them, turning them into paupers, and exporting all their jobs to China for slave labor wages. Yet they didn't lower the price of the goods that come from China. Not over here they didn't. And to Mexico, and to Malaysia, and other countries where they work for dollars per day not for dollars per hour. Let me requote here. The way to crush the bourgeoisie is to grind them between the millstone of taxation and inflation. Now, was Lenin a banker? No, but he was financed by the bankers. Understandably, Americans are alarmed and for the first time in a long time beginning to reassess what is true and who is truthful. It is time for a wake-up call to find understanding, even in the midst of chaos, follow the money. This booklet provides a series of quotes that expose the unseen stealth war that has been waged for over 200 years to determine who will rule this nation, the people or the money power. All right, I'm going to give you the link to this. It's called Citizens newswire.org citizensnewswire.org I've already put the link in the chat room and I'll put the uh, link into the uh, mix down of this show after and then before putting it on Eurofolk Radio front page so or you can just google oh sorry go into your browser I don't want to do any publicity for google google uh, Jugal. Jiggle, jiggle. <laughs> Go into your browser, any browser, and type in the title of this article. Follow the money and its author, Kirk McKenzie. So let's continue. It's time for a wake up call to find understanding. Even in the midst of chaos, follow the money. This booklet provides a series of quotes that expose the unseen stealth war. That's what it is, Mystery Babylon. The unseen stealth war that has been waged for over 200 years to determine who will rule this nation, the people or the money power. As soon as the Constitution of America was written, the banksters started to make war on us again. The War of 1812 was all about money as well. Because the charter for the first national bank was only for 20 years, 
And the reason the government voted for it was because we were bankrupt. The Revolutionary War bankrupted the country. So they had to get out of it somehow, so they borrowed money and they allowed the First National Bank to come into existence, but only for a charter of 20 years. When that charter was up, James Madison was president, and he said, no way, we're not renewing the charter. We don't want bankers dictating the terms of our economy. So what happened? The Rothschilds sent the British Army over to make war with us again. We defeated them again. They didn't stop there. They they reason they planned the Civil War, as I mentioned earlier. The the North was financed by August Belmont and the British Rothschilds. The South was financed by Judah P. Benjamin and the French Rothschilds. In the process, six hundred thousand white Americans died. I'm just talking about the soldiers. Not to, and if you add the collateral damage, hardly any blacks died. Hardly any Jews died. Almost exclusively white people died. Why? Because the Jews stage all wars since 1815. The Jews have staged all wars, our bankers' wars. Remember that meme. On September 17, 1787, the United States Constitution was adopted by the Constitutional Convention held in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It was ratified on June 21, 1788. Article 1, Section 10 reads in part, No state shall make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts. All right? This talks about the state. It doesn't mean that the citizens can't barter amongst themselves or that the citizens can't write checks to one another to end each other's debts to each other, but the state shall not make anything but gold and silver coins a tender in payment of debts. Gold and silver coin were and remain the only constitutional forms of money. This was no more mere afterthought, but rather the bedrock principle on which liberty rested. Thank you very much. By the way, the Constitution was written on hemp paper. Not, uh, <laughs> not wood, wood pulp. So here they have a picture of my, Amschel Meyer Rothschild, 1790, father of central banking in the modern era, because it goes all the way back to Babylon, who said, Give me control of a nation's money, and I care not who makes its laws. Next pictured is Nathan Rothschild, Amschel Meyer Rothschild's son, who said, I care not what puppet is placed on the throne of England to rule the empire. The man that controls Britain's money supply controls the British Empire, and I control the money supply. An important part of the Morris scheme was to organize and head a central bank to pri- provide cheap credit, and expand money for himself and his allies. The Bank of North America was deliberately modeled after the Bank of England. It has graciously agreed to lend it has graciously agreed to lend most of its newly created money to the federal government. And the hapless taxpayers would have to pay the bank in principal and interest. Murray Rothbard 
in the mystery of banking, and this has a picture of Robert Morris, 1790, Bank of North America founder. His was the first effort to burden the nation with privately owned central bank. Uh, but George Washington approved it because he saw no other way out. The, the colonies were bankrupt. But actually, Benjamin Franklin had the solution, but he was no longer alive. And that was to create government notes, spend them into circulation, until the, gov until the country started reviving again, which it would have, without borrowing any money from banksters. Because Abraham Lincoln did the same thing. Benjamin Franklin did that before the American Revolution. In Pennsylvania, and other people followed suit. And But those, those notes, even though they were simply worthless paper money, they were promises to pay, and the people who issued them did pay. Unlike the banksters, who through the fiat money system, just create more and more counterfeit bills with no backing whatsoever. It's called quantum easing. Quantum easing is just another word for fiat money inflation. That's all it is. And here, and, and Washington understood this, but he didn't see any other way out. Quote, Paper money has had the effect in your state that it will ever have to ruin commerce, oppress the honest, and open the door to every species of fraud and injustice. Quote, we may become a great commercial and flourishing nation, but if in the pursuit of the means we should unfortunately stumble again on unfounded paper money or any similar species of fraud, we shall assuredly give a fatal stab to our national credit in its infancy. But banknotes are no better, Mr. Washington. And this is actually what brought the French Revolution down. Because they, in order to pay for their government projects, they started inflating the assignats out of sight. To the point that they were worthless. And this is what George Washington feared. So his principle was absolutely correct. But in a crisis... And if the government is bankrupt, then really the government has no choice but to temporarily issue paper notes, get people work. And this is what Hitler did. That's what Hitler did. Germany was the only country that uh, prospered during the worldwide depression caused by the American banksters, or Jewish banksters. They're not Americans. Now let's go to the banks. John Adams. Banks have done more injury to the religion, morality, tranquility, prosperity, and even wealth of the nation than they can have done or ever will do good. All the perplexities, confusion, and distress in America arise not from defects in their constitution or confederation, nor from want of honor or virtue, so much as downright ignorance of the nature of coin, credit, and circulation. That is the exclusive province of Mystery Babylon, the eighth beast of the book of Revelation. Thomas Jefferson, I sincerely believe that banking institutions are more dangerous than standing armies, and that the principle of spending money to be paid by posterity, that is, by your offspring, getting such huge national debt that 
the people who got us into debt can't pay it off, but has to be paid off by their offspring, to who? The same banking corporations that got us into debt in the first place is but swindling futurity on a large scale. If we American people ever allow monopoly banking to control the issue of currency, first by inflation and then by deflation, these banks and bureaucracies that will grow up around them will deprive we, the people, of all our property until our children will wake up homeless on the continent which gave God or God gave us for our stewardship. Yeah, Thomas Jefferson started out as an enemy of religion, but not not Christianity per se. He was an enemy of organized religion, such as the Anglican Church. It was, uh, they had a word for it in those days. Yeah, we, we call, we refer, in fact, popery was uh, the you know, cut against the papacy in those days. But the preachers who did not understand how money works or how international bankers can control governments understood, these people understood these things in those days. People don't understand it anymore. Why? Because the poop coming out of the anus of that vulture is the mainstream media, and they will never tell you what honest money is. Quote, We must not let our rulers load us with perpetual debt. We must make our election between economy and liberty, or profusion and servitude. If we run into such debt as that we must be taxed in our meat and in our drink, in our necessaries and our comforts, in our labors and our amusements. You have to pay for COVID-19 somehow. We will have no time to think, no means of calling our mismanagers to account, but be glad to obtain subsistence by hiring ourselves to rivet their chains on the necks of our fellow sufferers, i.e. the welfare state, and this is the tendency of all human governments. Now remember, he said, We, the people, will be deprived of all our property until our children will wake up homeless on the continent, which God gave us for our stewardship. Even Thomas Jefferson had to go through a period of growth to realize that this country called America was founded by God, Yahweh, and his children, Israel. James Madison, history shows that the money changers have used every form of abuse, intrigue, deceit, and violent means possible to maintain control over governments by controlling the money and the issuance of it. Mystery Babylon, folks. Babylon, the third beast of the seven heads of the beast. In the book of Revelation, the eighth beast is the house of Rothschild. Andrew Jackson, you are a den of vipers and thieves. I intend to rout you out, and by the grace of the eternal God, will rout you out. If Congress has the right under the Constitution to issue paper money, it was given to be used by themselves, not to be delegated to individuals or corporations. 
March 4, 1861. All wars are bankers' wars. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> oh, quantitative easing. Sorry. <laughs> Not quantum easy. <laughs> All right. Well, quantitative easing. But actually, I guess, well, yeah, quantitative easing is it's so easy to print money. It's so easy to print worthless Federal Reserve notes. But as long as people play the game, as long as they're conned by the, the system, they don't know any better. And it's quantitative easing. The quantum mechanics philosophy has been out of my mind. March 4, 1861, Abraham Lincoln was inaugurated the nation's 16th president. April 12, 1861, Confederate forces fired on Fort Sumter in response to the federal government's blockade of Charleston Harbor Port that started South Carolina from Fort... Started? Or stopped, I think he means to say prevented South Carolina from foreign commerce. But the commerce they were doing was with Great Britain, who was the enemy of America, the same Great Britain that made war against America during the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812, and financed both sides of the Civil War. So South Carolina was trying to do business with Great Britain, even though they had been our perpetual enemy from the foundation of this country. And it was the Freemasons and the Jewish banksters in South Carolina that agitated for separation, for secession. Gold and silver could not be manufactured out of thin air. The very reason they were made the only constitutional currency. To finance the war, Abraham Lincoln broke faith with the Constitution by authorizing the issuance of paper currency. In quick succession, three types of paper currency were created. Lincoln had no choice. Just as Benjamin Franklin advocated the issuance of paper currency, strictly controlled, not devalued by inflation, the federal, I mean, sorry, the greenbacks were not devalued by inflation, although there were three issuances of it. As I said, the greenback never earned a banker one dime's worth of interest. Remember that. The banksters were cut out of the loop. July 17, 1861. And I agree that this is not a constitutional principle. But both Benjamin Franklin and Abraham Lincoln advocated it in times of crisis. And this was a crisis. The Union was under assault by the Jewish banksters who were financing both sides. But they stopped financing the North when Abraham Lincoln went to the banksters and wanted to borrow money. And they said, well, yeah, we'll borrow, lend you money for 26 to 32% interest. They said, thanks, but no thanks. That's when uh, Colonel, uh, oh, I forget his name now, the, the guy he went to who was an economist in Chicago, Colonel Taylor, who said, okay, well, just print paper money. Spend it in... Tell the people this is the reserve currency. Tell them to use government money. It's still government money. It's not Jew bankster money. There's a huge difference between those two. 
The government still controls the issuance of the money supply. And Abraham Lincoln was a proponent of the working class. He was not a communist. He was a free enterprise president. He condemned both the communists and the banksters. So what we're seeing here, folks, is money. The money power is the number one power if given the monopoly on the issuance of currency. July 17, 1861, the Act of July 17, 1861, authorized the issuance of demand notes, so named because they were redeemable in gold or silver upon demand. Okay? That's still tied to silver and gold. A completely unbacked currency is fiat money. And the fiat money system, if it's going to work properly, the government has to step back, they issue the currency, spend it into circulation, and let the people use that money to do commerce. And once the economy gets going, they're supposed to return back to a gold-back and silver-back currency. And once the gold back and silver back, this is how you have this is how you have to restart the economy. This is what Hitler did in Germany. He issued notes. He Germany had no gold or silver. He issued notes to get the economy jump started. But you have to the government has to have the discipline not to keep printing paper money. When the government is controlled by leftists then they can't discipline themselves because why? They have all these government programs they want to finance. So instead of taxing the people, instead of creating prosperity, they create temporary prosperity through inflation to finance not the prosperity of the people, but their pet government projects such as the welfare state, such as war, such as feeding money to pork barrel projects. I bet you haven't heard that term before in a long time. Pork barrel projects. Which So you have two, two, a double welfare state. You've got the left-wing welfare state, which finances the poor and keeps them poor because it creates a cycle of poverty within the welfare state. And Big Pharma gets involved in this welfare state as well. Because what the what do food stamps pay for? Junk food. White bread. Fruit Loops. Count Chocula. Frosted Flakes. Macaroni and cheese. That's what these kids grow up on. Naturally, they're going to get sick. How can you have a healthy immune system if you never eat any real food? So Bill Gates and company and the Rockefellers and company step in and say, Oh, we have the answer for your illness. It's called a vaccine. Oh, we have the solution for your children being hyperactive because they just ate nothing but sugar for breakfast. Let's call it attention deficit disorder. And give them more big pharma sedatives. 
which makes them even sicker. So they simply invent a disease. That's right, I said invent. They invent a disease called attention deficit disorder. And they use sedatives to treat it. And a, and many people have noticed that once this so-called attention deficit disorder pandemic came into being, suicides and homicides by the recipients of these drugs such as Prozac, suicides and homicides increased threefold by the people who were diagnosed with this fake disease. Now I'm telling you right here, right now, attention deficit disorder is a fake disease. It's just another pandemic controlled by the Rockefellers and the Gates Foundation and the Fauci's and the Burkses and all the people who have surrounded Donald Trump. And he signed off on this stuff. He put the entire government under martial law on March 14th. 2020, turning the government over to FEMA. It's called martial law without calling it martial law. So the demand notes at least were tied to silver and gold. They only lasted from August 1861 to April 1862 because the government did not have sufficient gold or silver to redeem them. Remember, yeah, the government still had not been able to recover sufficiently to back all these notes. But there, there's, no need, there's no need for these notes, as I have been saying, to be backed by gold and silver. If they're backed by gold and silver, what the, what the bankers do is they simply withdraw the gold and silver out of circulation. That's why today all the gold bullion is held by banksters. They don't want you to have real money. They want you to have only their paper. You understand how this works? Yeah, right. And they can ease us out of our inheritance too. Communism. Karl Marx and Lenin were Jews. Financed by capitalist Jews. Oh, I'm sorry. Monopolistic Jews. Because John D. Rockefeller said, Competition is a sin. All of these Jewish monopolists, falsely called capitalists, if you equate capitalism with free enterprise, none of these people believe in free enterprise. They want to kill free enterprise. And the way they kill free enterprise is with their fake banknotes. February 25, 1862, Lincoln signed the first Legal Tender Act authorizing the issuance of United States notes. These were not redeemable upon demand. Why? Because the country was bankrupt. So, we, we faced bankruptcy right after the American Revolution. We were facing bankruptcy again right after the uh, charter of the first bank in the United States ended. That's when the Rothschilds made war upon America again. They made war upon us again during the Civil War. And they have financed all wars since. All wars are bankers' wars. Don't buy the propaganda that we invaded Germany during World War I to make the world safe for democracy. No, we made the world safe for the banksters. 
because Germany threatened their banking monopoly and the industrial might of the British Empire. Both the French Empire and the British Empire had been resting on colonialism, milking profits from their colonial empire while the government and the politicians were rotting from within. And Russia got sucked into World War I because the Tsar wanted to have a warm water port, which was controlled by the Turks, and the Turks were the allies of the Germans at the time. Germany was the last country to engage in hostilities. Kaiser Wilhelm II did everything he could to prevent war. But when the secret societies, the Freemasons, assassinated the Archduke, and Austria declared war on the enemy, Germany had to honor its commitment to Austria. So they were the last ones engaged in war. The saber-rattling was done by the British, the French, and the Russians. And to some extent the Austrians, who had a lot to lose, because their empire was Far East, which was threatened by Russia. That's the threat they felt. Germany was really not threatened Certainly not economically. The German industrial machine was threatening to overcome and overpower without colonial uh, conscription, without colonial theft, but simply by being an industrial powerhouse threatened both the French Empire and the British Empire. That's why the Rothschilds made war against Germany and when Germany had de facto won the war because Russia was defeated, France capitulated, and Britain was about to capitulate, the Jews, the Zionist Jews, offered a deal to the British saying, okay, if you agree to turn Palestine over to us Jews, Don't submit, don't surrender to the Germans who had offered status quo anti-terms for peace. In other words, let's go back to the way things were before the war even started and be friends again. But the British would not accept that deal. Because why? Because the Zionists, the Rothschild bankers, said to the British, Okay, hold on as long as you can. We guarantee to you that we will bring the Americans into the conflict and you will have fresh troops, vigorous troops, except for the Spanish flu, which was caused by the electrification of the world grid. That grid was just being built at that time. Nevertheless, the Balfour Declaration is what caused America to come into the war, even though Woodrow Wilson re-campaigned for re-election on the promise, on the statement that I kept our boys out of the war. As soon as he was re-elected, he negotiated with Congress to get our, our boys into the war. He lied to us. He was intending to get into the war all along. He was nothing but a banker's puppet. So was FDR, nothing but a banker's puppet. Etc., etc., etc. Anyway, getting back. 
February 25th, 1863, the National Banking Act passed. It fundamentally changed the nature of the U.S. monetary system. Less ambitious than a single central bank, it nonetheless was a step in, the, in that direction. Most importantly, the Act authorized the federal government to charter national banks for a period of 20 years, bypassing the states entirely. Well, many of these state banks had gone bankrupt because of the funny money operations of the Rothschilds. This is what Andrew Jackson was having to deal with. These banks, given the power to issue their own paper money and to form trusts, i.e. collude, the charter was twice extended for a total of 60 years. The money power sought to a permanent charter, which came with the Federal Reserve Act. Okay, So it took them from the Civil War till 1913 to finally get their third bank of the United States. And here he quotes what I quoted at the top of this show. I see in the near future a crisis approaching. It unnerves me and causes me to tremble for the safety of my country. The money power preys upon the nation in times of peace and conspires against it in times of adversity. It is more despotic than a monarchy, more insolent than autocracy, more selfish than bureaucracy. It denounces as public enemies all who question its method or throw light upon its crimes. Now, do you know why they assassinated Lincoln? I have two great enemies, the Southern Army in front of me and the financial institutions at the rear. The latter is my greatest foe. The international bankers are his greatest foe as President of the United States. They're the greatest enemies of the Union. Corporations have been enthroned, and an era of corruption in high places will follow, and the money power of the country will endeavor to prolong its reign by working upon the prejudices of the people until the wealth is aggregated in the hands of a few, and the republic is destroyed. November 11, 1864, Lincoln was assassinated five months later. Lincoln, in no doubt, sought to make things right after the war ended. He did not get the chance. He was assassinated before the war ended on April 9, 1865. As I said, the issuance of the greenbacks was a temporary measure. He had to do it. Benjamin Franklin advocated doing that in times of crisis. Now, the Hazard Circular, July 1862. These are the London banksters issuing their statement. Go online. Look for it. The Hazard Circular, H-A-Z-A-R-D, Circular, published in the London Times, telling us what they think of Abraham Lincoln's money system and the free enterprise system of America. Quote, Bravery is likely to be abolished by the war power and all chattel slavery abolished. They're talking about what's going on in America. What do they mean by bravery? That means fighting for the banksters. Remember, all wars are banksters' wars. This I and my European friends are in favor of, for slavery is but the owning of labor and carries with it the care of the laborers, 
while the European plan, led on by England, is that capital shall control labor by controlling wages. And they have also controlled the labor unions, certainly the communist labor unions, led by Marx, Lenin, etc. Even uh, Stalin was one of their agents. The great debt that capitalists will see to it is made out of the war must be used as a means to control the volume of money. To accomplish this, the bonds must be issued as a banking basis. We are now waiting for the Secretary of the Treasury to make this recommendation to Congress. This is 1862. It will not do to allow the greenback, as it is called, to circulate as money any length of time as we cannot control that. Let me read this statement again. It's very clear that the Rothschilds understood that Lincoln's greenback were a threat to their global monopoly of money. It will not do to allow the greenback, as it is called, to circulate as money any length of time as we, the banksters, cannot control that. But we can control the bonds and through them the bank issues. If they could put the greenbacks out of circulation, just as they would have, well, John F. Kennedy's back currency, gold-backed treasury notes, were put out of circulation by lying butcher Johnson right after the assassination. That was the very first thing that Johnson did. If that mischievous financial policy which had its origin in the North American Republic should become indurated down to a fixture, should it become established policy, then that government will furnish its own money without cost. Do you see why the Rothschilds hate America? And are afraid that we will return to debt-free money? Why they have been trying to get rid of the Second Amendment? Because there are still patriots alive who understand that debt money is the road to slavery. But they haven't been able to get rid of the Second Amendment. They haven't been able to get rid of the First Amendment. So what did they do? They resorted to COVID-19. A fake crisis financed by the globalist monster dictatorship called the Rothschild-Rockefeller cartel and their military, industrial, petrochemical, pharmaceutical complex, because they're all in bed with one another, all controlled by the banksters. That includes the politicians of the left, the politicians of the right, and anybody dumb enough to fall for this scheme which is all the zombies around the world, only the American people, the real patriots of this country, have any concept of what this is all about. It's all about money. Let me start this again. This is extremely important. This is why the hazard circular must be circulated today, because they admit in this circular how they do business. 
if that mischievous financial policy which had its origin in the North American Republic should become indurated down to a fixture, then that government will furnish its own money without cost, without interest, without usury. As I said, the greenback never cost the American people one dime's worth of interest, and it jump-started the economy. It, that is the greenback, will pay if off its debts and be without a debt. Can you imagine being out of debt? Every one of us today is born into a system of debt, perpetual debt, as Thomas Jefferson predicted that we would. Who created this system of debt? It, America, will become prosperous beyond precedent in the history of the civilized governments of the world. The brains and wealth of all countries will go to North America, which it did until 1913, when the Federal Reserve Bank was foisted upon us by the Rothschilds. Now listen, that government must be destroyed or it will destroy every monarchy on the globe. Well, they don't mention their monarchy. They're a monarchy of money. They don't talk about that at all. Folks, are you beginning to understand what's going on in the world? Who the real enemy is? Why they hate America so much? And why they hate us, the true Christian Israelites, who understand that debt money is anathema to Yahweh's law because it violates the, the principle of just weights and measures and the principle of usury? We still understand that. I don't think any other people on, on the planet understand this. Certainly not as well as we do. Because our country was founded on this understanding. Horace Greeley, newspaper editor, founder of the Liberal Republican Party. Now, the Liberal Republican Party and the regular Republican Party are two different creatures. Horace Greeley was an associate of... Um, uh, who was it, the, the uh, Illuminati. He was a regular associate of uh, the, the, the Masonic Party and international Masonic people. Giuseppe Massini, who came to America precisely to try to create a, an Illuminati party called the Masonic Party, which promoted all the same stuff that liberal parties do today. Feminism, easy money, uh, debauchery, you know, abortion, they promote all that stuff. Quote, We have stricken the shackles from four million human beings and brought all laborers to a common level, but not so much by the elevation of former slaves as by reducing the whole working population, white and black, to a condi condition of serfdom. While boasting of our noble deeds, we are careful to conceal the ugly fact that by our iniquitous money system, He's not talking about the greenbacks, or maybe he is. Maybe he didn't like the greenbacks. Maybe he's an agent, which I think he is. By our iniquitous, iniquitous money system, we have manipulated a system of oppression which, though more refined, is no less cruel than the old system of chattel slavery. If he's talking about banker, banker debt notes, then that's true. Leo Tolstoy. Money 
is a new form of slavery and distinguishable from the old simply by the fact that it is impersonal, that there is no human relation between master and slave. You have to understand that the slave owners did not mistreat their slaves unless they simply refused to work. You don't mistreat your horses and cattle. You want them to do work. The only time the slaves were beaten by their masters is when they refused to work. The rest of the time, they really didn't have much work to do. Planting and harvesting, those two seasons were when they really had to work. The rest of the time, they were free to dance and sing. They had it better than the blacks in Africa. They had it better than blacks in Haiti and Cuba, blacks in South America. They had it far better than any of these other blacks. But you, you won't hear a single liberal or a single Jew. By the way, the Jews were the biggest beneficiaries of the slave system because they're the ones who financed the transport with their ships, all these ships that brought the slaves to America were owned by Jews. And th these blacks were horribly treated on these ships. Much worse. much Treated much worse by these Jewish ship owners than they were by the black, I mean the white slave owners. By the way, the first, the first chattel slavery owner in America was a black man. That was still under the regime of... of Britain, when America was still controlled by Britain. So it was the British who imposed the slave system upon America, and we inherited it. Okay, I'm trying to read the name of this. Uh, Stuart M. Bryce, an author I'm not familiar with. Quote, It is no matter of wonder that this class who control the destinies of the people by controlling their finances are strongly opposed to the education of the people on the subject of finance and subject of medicine. For they know that when this is affected, their domain as financial rulers must cease. From his book, Financial Catechism and History of the Financial Legislation of the United States from 1862 to 1882. Folks, the power of money is the biggest power on the face of the earth. And I will requote the statement by Lenin. The way to crush the bourgeoisie is to grind them between the millstones of taxation and inflation. Do you think he did not understand high finance? The Bolshevik Revolution was financed by the Rothschilds and their Jewish banker pals. 75 U.S. 603, Hepburn v. Griswold, Supreme Court ruling, December 1869. In December 1869, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled paper money was unconstitutional in a 4-3 decision. The question which is this court is called upon to consider is whether the authority to make the notes of the United States a lawful tender in payment of debts is to be found in Congress. Quote, we are obliged to conclude that an act making mere promises to pay dollars, a legal tender in payment of debts previously contracted, is not a means appropriate, plainly adopted, or adapted, rather, really calculated to carry into effect any express power vested in Congress. Because, in Congress, because the law clearly says only gold and silver can be real money, can our money. 
that such an act is inconsistent with the spirit of the Constitution and that it is prohibited by the Constitution. And that is correct. Lincoln violated that principle, but he was in a state of emergency. 79 U.S. 457 Knox versus Lee and 79 U.S. 529 Parker versus David, legal tender cases of 1873. Ulysses S. Grant was president at the time of the Hepburn decision. Quote, his administration was marred by scandal, sometimes the product of nepotism. The neologism Grantism was coined to describe political corruption. The neologism, the word Grantism, was coined to describe political corruption. On the same day that Hepburn was decided, President Ulysses Grant nominated two new justices to the court who were eventually to overrule it. Okay. However, Grant was a creature of the banksters because he didn't understand economics at all. Lincoln was their avowed enemy. And had the U.S. economy been allowed to flourish under Lincoln's system, Gold and silver would have been returned into circulation. Why? Because they were mining silver in California and gold, the silver all over the place, and gold in California during the Civil War and after the Civil War, thus putting gold and silver back into circulation. When you have gold and silver in circulation, paper money leaves, it walks. But the banksters, who control the issuance of paper money, do not want gold and silver in circulation. They want to get rid of that at all costs, so only their paper money, not government paper money, which does not interest, accrue them interest, as the hazard circular clearly admits. This is why they assassinated Lincoln. And they expected him to continue that system until... We could get back on gold and silver. Grant's nominations resulted in the addition of two justices to the Supreme Court. William Strong on March 14, 1870, a Yale University graduate, and Joseph P. Bradley on March 23, 1870. The newly reformed Supreme Court reversed the Hepburn decision on May 1, and this is what Roosevelt did. Roosevelt reversed all kinds of constitutional edicts preventing big government from coming into being. Roosevelt was just another banker's pawn. And he stacked the Supreme Court with more Jews and more liberals and communists than anybody in, in the history of the Supreme Court. Maybe, maybe Barack Obama outdid him. The newly reformed Supreme Court reversed the Hepburn decision May 8, 1871, by affirming two lower court decisions, Knox versus Lee and Parker versus Davis, collectively known as the legal tender cases. Ignoring the language of the Constitution itself, the Supreme Court now ruled that paper money was constitutional. Lincoln never said that paper money was constitutional. He just employed it as a measure of war. James Garfield Whoever controls the money in any country is master of its legislation and commerce. The chief duty of the national government in connection with the currency of the country is to coin money 
and declare its value. Grave doubts have been entertained whether Congress is authorized by the Constitution to make any form of paper money legal tender. The present issue of the United States notes has been sustained by the necessities of war, but such paper should depend for its value and currency upon its convenience in use and its prompt redemption in coin at the will of the holder. These are redeemable notes, folks. Is advocating for paperback money, I'm sorry, goldback money, silverback money, which we still had as late as the 1960s until it was all taken out of circulation by lying butcher Johnson, who was part of the conspiracy to assassinate JFK, who wanted to reintroduce treasury notes issued by the government in opposition to banknotes, otherwise known as the Federal Reserve Note. And he continues, These notes are not money, but promises to pay money. If the holders demand it, the promise should be kept. And remember in the 1930s, all the banknotes, uh, the runs on the bank, which were caused by the deliberately staged crash by the Federal Reserve Bank, the first people in line demanding their real money <laughs> broke the bank because they only had partial reserves. They only had on, on supply 10% of the value of the paper money they were issuing. So in other words, they were creating inflation and putting more per, uh, paper money into circulation than they had gold and silver to back it, or real money, namely gold-backed currency. William McKinley, our financial system needs some revision. Our money is all good now, but its value must not further be threatened. It should all be put upon an enduring basis, not subject to easy attack, nor its stability in doubt or dispute. Note that many presidents have been assassinated right after they made statements, public statements, in support of honest money. With about 10 minutes left. Jekyll Island, November 22, 1910. On the night of November 22, 1910, a group of newspaper reporters stood disconsolately in the railway station at Hoboken, New Jersey. They had just watched a delegation of the nation's leading financiers leave the station on a secret mission. It would be years before they discovered that what that mission was, and even then they would not understand that the history of the United States underwent a drastic change after that night in Hoboken. Quote, from the Schiff, Warburg, Rockefeller, and Morgan interests were personally represented. Source, Secrets of the Federal Reserve by Eustace Mullins. The attendees included Paul Warburg, generally credited as the author of the plan, Senator Nelson Aldrich and his private secretary, Shelton, Frank Vanderlip, president of National City Bank of New York, Henry P. Davis, a senior partner of the J.P. Morgan & Company and Morgan's personal emissary, Charles D. Norton, president of the Morgan-dominated First National Bank of New York, Benjamin Strong, one of J.P. Morgan's lieutenants, and Abram Piet Andrew, assistant treasury secretary, Senator Nelson Aldrich's daughter, Abby, was married to John D. Rockefeller, Jr. Talk about incest. 
Their eldest son was named Nelson A. Aldrich, A for <laughs> Nelson A. Aldrich Rockefeller, brother of David Rockefeller, founder of the United Nations. You see how politics and money have not strange bedfellows, but incestual bedfellows. U.S. Supreme Court decision, Pollock versus Farmer's Loan, 158 U.S. 601, May 20, 1895. In May 1895, the U.S. Supreme Court declared a federal income tax to be unconstitutional. It reasoned, quote, the founders anticipated that the expenditures of the states, their counties, cities, and towns would chiefly be met by direct taxation on accumulated property, while they expected that those of the federal government would be, for the most part, met by indirect taxes. That says taxes on imports. That's how America became the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. Because this protected American industry, made American industry the biggest economic engine on the face of the earth. With protectionism, folks, not free trade, protectionism. The British Empire has always favored free trade because the government is supposed to protect its workers. By protecting American industry, they protected the wages of the American workers, and the American workers became the most prosperous in the world. We didn't steal anything from other countries. Not till later. Not till we became a colonial empire under the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. And in order that the power of direct taxation by the general government should not be exercised except on necessity. Actually, Abraham Lincoln raised taxes once or twice. And people in the North actually got in line to pay their taxes because they supported the war effort. And when the necessity arose, should be so exercised as to leave the states at liberty to discharge their respective obligations, and should not be so exercised unfairly and discriminatingly as to particular states or otherwise by a mere majority vote, possibly of those whose constituents were intentionally not subjected to any part of the burden. Yeah, I meant favoritism. The burden always falls on the taxpayer, not on corporate welfare addicts and other welfare addicts. The qualified grant was made. Those who made it knew the power to tax involved the power to destroy. Let me quote this sentence again. Those who made it knew that the power to tax involved the power to destroy. And that, in the language of Chief Justice Marshall, the only security against the abuse of this power is found in the structure of the government itself in imposing it, period, in imposing a tax, the legislature acts upon its constituents. This is, in general, a sufficient security against erroneous and oppressive taxation. And they retain the security by providing that direct taxation and representation in the lower house of the Congress should be adjusted on the same measure. And this is uh, getting technical, but the the basic principle is here that the federal government should not and does not have the right to tax the people of the several states directly. It was left under the Constitution to the states to tax their people. 
And the states, therefore, would contribute, let's say, to a war effort or to shoring the borders so that invaders couldn't come in. By the way, you know who's behind the invasion of our borders. Moreover, whatever the reasons for the constitutional provisions, there they are, and they appear to us to speak in plain language. It is said that a tax on the whole income of property is not a direct tax in the meaning of the Constitution, but a duty. No, it isn't. If you tax the citizens directly, if the federal government taxes the citizens directly, it is unconstitutional. And the income tax amendment was promoted by the same banksters and monopolists that created the Federal Reserve Bank. And then, in addition to that, they created the tax-exempt corporations by which these same magnates and monopolists could exempt themselves from taxation and declare themselves to be philanthropists by which they are saved these taxes and use that money to insult the people and destroy the economy and destroy our wealth and destroy primarily Christianity. Because that's what these tax-exempt corporations and their think tanks have done since they were founded. They have destroyed Christianity. They have left the other religions alone. They have infiltrated the Christian uh, ministry with communists and homosexuals and Muslims and Jews and others because the aim is to destroy Christianity. That's why Christianity today is the most persecuted religion on the face of the earth. They are persecuting us by using Muslims to do it, by using Jews to do it etc., etc. They want to eliminate Christianity because they know it is the religion of the white man and because we are the followers, we are the Israelites, the followers of Yahshua Messiah, our Lord and Savior. And they hate Jesus Christ and therefore they hate Christianity and therefore they hate the white race because we are the true Israelites of the Bible and they are not. And this is why they invented COVID-19, because they knew they would never be able to overcome the Second Amendment or the First Amendment and many other amendments. All these governors that have issued stay-at-home edicts are in total violation of all, of all ten amendments to the Constitution and numerous provisions of the Constitution itself. They know it. But because the people are so ignorant of the money power, how money works, how it's supposed to function, and are so ignorant of this gigantic conspiracy of the military-industrial-petrochemical-pharmaceutical complex and the poop it spews out from the mainstream media, and they don't understand that the head of this vulture is the international banking system, Mystery Babylon, of the Bible, since they don't understand any of these things, and their wolf and sheep clothing pulpit bastards will never explain it to them because they're both ignorant. Jesus said, if the blind be led by the blind, both fall into the ditch. And boy, are we in a ditch. Are we in a ditch. 
What's the solution? The only solution, ladies and gentlemen, is what happened before the American Revolution is when a wave of repentance swept the nation and people and churches and pastors bowed down before our Lord and Savior, Yahshua Messiah, admitted their sins and swore that they would do better. And that's, that is the powerhouse that ignited the American Revolution because they sought to undo the injustices that were being created by the European banker money system. Even though they didn't understand it, but the founding fathers understood it. And therefore, we ejected that beast. We ejected it again in the War of 1812. We foiled their plans for the Civil War in the 1860s. Now, their latest attempt to foist slavery upon us is the Federal Reserve Bank and the International Banking System, House of Rothschild, and their United Nations. Unless we invoke Yahshua Messiah to come to our aid, bow down, and admit our sins and never do them again, and remain vigilant. But I have a feeling we're going to put up another fight. We beat them twice. Actually, we beat them three times. We will beat them again. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. See you all again next time. Bye-bye. None are so hopelessly enslaved As those who falsely believe they are free The truth has been kept from the depths of their minds